You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows Trio programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former Trio staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with Trio. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Amelia, for that wonderful introduction. Welcome everyone to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. In this episode, we have Euridia Leiva, an alum of the Trio Upward Bound Program at Eastern New Mexico University, and also an alum of the Trio Student Support Services Program and Ronald E. McNair Program at the University of New Mexico. She will be on the program to uh, share her passions about being a biostatistician and what led her into this journey to follow the path that she currently is in. It was a pleasure catching up with you, Didia. Uh, we go uh, way back. Uh, I served as a resident advisor uh, when uh, I was serving in the Upper Ground Program uh, during my undergraduate years, and Didia was a student that uh, she, when when you look at students and you you know that they're headed for a bright path as all students are with upper bound uh, we look at Yuridia and you kind of expect great things and we here she is you know accomplishing great things and I think that her story and what she has to share with the audience is extremely important so come on up in the program Yuridia Leiva just want to take a moment to remind our listeners that you can support us through Patreon we would like to make a living off of this, and to do that, to upgrade our equipment, to keep up with the subscriptions, to keep up with everything that we have to do for this podcast, we'd love your support. Uh, keep us going. Uh, one of our biggest goals is to attend the COE Annual Conference in September. Now, with COVID-19 um, you know, closing things down and things kind of still up in the air, we know that September is still our target date for us, and we're still aiming to attend the annual comp for coe so that's one goal now if you feel like well patreon is not really my thing i don't want to uh you know con- continue contributing monthly that's absolutely fine uh you can also head over to one of our other accounts where you can um, do a one-time donation you can head on over to kickstarter and do a one-time donation now with patreon You'll get a subscription and we'll be able to name you as a patron of the podcast. With Kickstarter, you're doing a one-time donation and it'll go toward our main goal is to go to the COE annual conference and to upgrade our equipment as we go. Um, 
but through patreon that's kind of our one that's set up for a monthly goal that we want to be able to not only maintain the podcast and do all of this stuff but also uh, compensate uh, all those involved in creating producing and editing and doing everything we can for this podcast and uh, we're again we're not in it for the money we love hearing the stories we love hearing from students and staff alum and we have we're just having a blast doing this so um one of the ways that uh, a patreon uh, supporter can help us is uh, we'll be able to pay for licenses for zoom uh, a license for microsoft teams and we're kind of already experimenting with that using our, our free trials to do it uh, but we'd love to just own the license that way we can record and store everything on our own and um, definitely upgrade our equipment uh, my laptop could certainly use an upgrade and We'd love to continue serving uh, in this in this capacity. So making a living off of this would be outstanding. We'd be able to do a whole lot more, travel to other states, uh, come interview your students at your institution, um, make a Saturday meeting out of it, uh, even give students an opportunity to um, co-host a, a podcast episode. This, there, the ideas here are limitless, and uh, we are now currently. Um, partnering with several organizations and several trio programs to bring forward these stories to you, the audience. So coming up right now in the podcast, Yuridia Leva, a great, fascinating story, and we hope that you enjoy. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Next guest is a Trio Upward Bound alum from the Eastern New Mexico University Trio Upward Bound program. She's also an alum of the University of New Mexico Trio Student Support Services program and also an alum of the University of New Mexico Trio Ronald E. McNair program. She is also an alum of the University of New Mexico, attained her bachelor's degree in 2013 in applied mathematics and chemistry, and in 2015 attained her master's degree in statistics. Yuridia has published scientific research in a variety of areas, including kidney transplant waiting lists, medical student education, skin cancer risk reduction, prenatal opioid and alcohol exposure, and hepatitis C virus. She recently published a first author scientific manuscript of the per-contact infectivity of hepatitis C virus acquisition in association with receptive needle sharing exposures in a prospective cohort of young adult people who inject drugs in San Francisco, California. This article is published in the Open Forum Infectious Disease Journal in case anyone is interested in reading it. She currently serves as a biostatistician at the Center for Healthcare Equity and Kidney Disease, uh, CHEK-D, at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. Please help me welcome Yuridia Leva to the Let's Talk Trio podcast. Yuridia, welcome. Hi, Juan. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's been uh, it's great to have been catching up with you. I know we talked a little bit before the, this podcast is being recorded. Uh, we go way, way back. Uh, you've been in the Eastern New Mexico University Trio Upward Bound program. You have a lot of fond memories from there. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you since I, I last saw you. We, we interviewed you 
on the radio program when Let's Talk Trio was in a radio program at Eastern. How have things been? How have things for you changed? Well, since I was a guest on the last Let's Talk Trio uh, in December of 2013, yeah. there's been a lot that has changed. Uh, first of all, uh, I finished graduate school since then. I obtained my master's degree in statistics, right and on. right after, um, right during my um, during graduate school, I volunteered at SSS for, for at Trio SSS for my first semester of graduate school. And then for the next three semesters, I became an instructor for an introductory statistics class. And some of my students were actually from TRIO SSS. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and I think this is something that TRIO uh, Upward Bound, you know, tutoring for TRIO Upward Bound and TRIO SSS really prepared me for this part of my life pretty well. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Yeah, back then I was engaged and now I've been married to my husband for almost six years. And wow, congratulations. Became, thank you. And we became homeowners a, a couple of years ago. And then awesome. after, after, after completing graduate school, I started a full-time job in my dream job, between quotes. <laughs> uh, I worked as a research scientist biostatistician at the University of New Mexico Health Sciences Center. And this was in the Division of Epidemiology, Biostatistics, and Preventive Medicine, which is within the Department of Internal Medicine. And within this job, I was lucky enough to serve as a teaching assistant for a graduate class called Biostatistical Methods. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's unusual to be a teaching assistant while you have a full-time job, but I was lucky enough to th th that my boss allowed that to be part of my job. And, and it was a little scary at first because most of the students were older than me and some were established career professionals or medical doctors, but they were there to learn statistics, which is a subject I, I feel confident teaching. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, they didn't seem to notice that I was younger than, they, than them. <laughs> and I just learned so much from TAing this class. And also within that job, I got to work for another investigator in the College of Pharmacy at UNM. Mm -hmm. We worked on a study called ENRICH, which stands for Ethanol Neurodevelopment Infant and Child Health. And this experience really enriched, pun intended, my statistics and scientific <laughs> skills. <laughs> and, and now I'm on my second post-grad full-time job at the Czech D where I work with some genuinely kind and intelligent work family. Uh, if I thought my first post-grad full-time job was my dream job, I just had no idea. I feel yeah. extremely blessed to get to work with brilliant colleagues at the Czech D. Like That's I said, amazing. a lot has changed. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like it because uh, I remember when we first brought you on as a guest a long, long time ago, you were still working on your master's. Uh, you were just excited to share that, you know, you were thinking about a career path and now here you are, you forged a career path already and you're this advanced. So uh, amazing and congratulations on everything that's been going on with you. So amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you, Juan. So we are certainly in different and changing times. Being a biostatistician, how has the news of the coronavirus or COVID-19 impacted you? As a biostatistician, the news of coronavirus has been surreal. It's surreal yeah. to see ma maps of the coronavirus cases that originated in one part of the globe, and mm -hmm. then they spread out all over the world. And it makes me realize that there really are only a few degrees of separation between all of us. Yeah. It's unusual to be working from home so many days in a row, but it's something mm -hmm. for which I'm super grateful because I live pretty far from work. And it's a win-win because I get to do my part in helping reduce the transmission rate of COVID-19. 
Wow, that's amazing. This pandemic has made me this pandemic has made me witness scientific research in action too, which is pretty amazing. As mm-hmm. a person who does research for a job, it's really fascinating to me to witness this research in act- in action. Yeah. Uh, for example, the the idea of flattening the curve screams statistics to me. Um, yeah. The goal the goal in flattening the curve is to decelerate the transmission rate of coronavirus so that infections mm-hmm. can spread out over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And this means that the number of people who get infected with COVID-19 will remain at a level that is relatively reasonable for healthcare healthcare workers to manage. Oh, wow. uh, less people less people will become infected at a given time and mm-hmm. less people will be infected overall. And one of the one of the first things we learn in introductory statistics is the concept of these normal bell-shaped curves. Mm-hmm. So that famous graphic we've probably all seen by now uh, for flattening the curve compares yeah. compares these two normal distributions: a tall one with low variance on infection time, mm-hmm. and then a flat one with higher variance on infection time. And of course, we want the flat one. Um, mm. But yeah, as a biostatistician, I, I feel like there's a lot the world still doesn't know about COVID-19 yet. Yeah. But yeah. researchers are gathering lots of data and learning more about the virus every day. So it's enthralling to live this history. I just wish it didn't involve so much mortality. But yeah. I'm glad we all get to do our part in helping reduce sickness and death by trying mm-hmm. to stay home as much as possible. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you were able to explain that graphic because I'm sure all of us have seen it on social media and we were cur- curious about it, of what that means to flatten the curve. And you gave a very good explanation as, as to what that means for us and society and why we are trying to aim for that uh, to flatten the curve. So we appreciate that that explanation. Thank you. Thank you. So how are you and your family holding up in the midst of this pandemic? My family and I are finding ourselves going back and forth between trying to maintain the routines we had prior to this pandemic affecting our community and also feeling shocked at how others are being affected. Uh, My sister Amy and my brother Alan, who who were both in in Trio Upward Bound at Eastern New Mexico University, Uh they're both living here in Albuquerque. And it's difficult not to see them as it's difficult not to see each other as much as we used to. But we're doing our best to do our part in flattening that curve. We're blessed to be working from home, which helps with keeping that routine we had before all of this. And it keeps our attention. Work keeps our attention on something other than than everything that's going on. Uh, Recently, my sister-in-law invited me to help sew some face masks for her husband and his squad. They are police officers in the Albuquerque Police Department. And Mm. while it still isn't clear to me whether do-it-yourself face masks are helpful against the virus, we thought it might be a good idea to help officers at least avoid spreading their own germs when they go out and serve families in the community. That's a very good idea. Yeah. So the audience got to hear a little bit about you and your accomplishments. Can you tell us about some of the hobbies that you do aside from that that are academic, you know, that... You're, you're, it seems like you're very academically driven. What are some hobbies that you have that go outside of that? I have a lot of hobbies. I love to move, first of all. I enjoy weightlifting, dancing, hiking, taking my dog on a walk. And I've had my dog since 2010, which is the longest I've ever had a dog. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and I enjoy being outdoors and spending time with our seven very entertaining chickens. <laughs> They have been amazing because they started laying eggs again just in time for the stay-at-home order. And so I'm so grateful for that. If not awesome. for them, 
<laughs> yeah. If not for them, I would have had to go to the grocery store much sooner. I also like to engage in DIY projects. As mm-hmm. you may have noticed from the face mask sewing, uh, the house we bought is kind of a fixer-upper. So we've been putting in a lot of work into that, and, and I've been enjoying that. And I also love plants. I love my house plants. And, and since I've had success with those, now I'm trying to start a garden this year, now that we have our own home. Um, growing up, my mom used to have a garden when we were little, and so I really hope my garden works out at least half as well as hers did. <laughs> yeah, Aww, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I think definitely, right, this whole situation with COVID-19, it's given people opportunity to reflect and maybe build on some skills and, ha- and hobbies that they've either forgotten about or uh, they, they've been wanting to pursue. So this gives them an opportunity to do that, right? Yes, for sure. So take us... We're going to jump right into your origin story because I know you you shared that on the podcast, uh, not the podcast, sorry, the radio show from 2013, but uh, we really want you to highlight uh, your origin with TRIO. What was it like growing up? Well, actually, uh, let me back up. Uh, before the TRIO program, before you joined Upward Bound, what was it like growing up for you? Well, I realize now that growing up, I I always had a passion for teaching and learning, even though I didn't know it at the time. In elementary school, I spent so many recesses hanging out with my teacher when I wasn't playing outside with my friends. I was kind of a teacher's pet. And one summer, one of my teachers picked me up from home during the summer so I could help her prepare the classroom for the following year. And I remember her giving me a few of her outdated teacher's manuals and textbooks. Uh And I I ended up taking those with me years later when I moved from Colorado to Clovis and my Mm. sister Amy and my brother Alan, who I mentioned earlier, we used to play school with those textbooks, with those teachers' manuals. And of course, I I always liked to be the teacher, probably because I was the oldest. (laughs) And growing up, my dad constantly reminded us of the importance of education. Mm. My favorite subject was always math. And my older brother, Aaron, who stayed back in Colorado, Mm. he and I could talk about math over the phone for hours. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, it's so, and we still, to this day, he's now uh, an engineer. Uh, uh-huh. He studied mechanical engineering at Colorado, at Colorado School of Mines, and mm. we still find ourselves nerding out over the phone over math, <laughs> math things, <Yeah. laughs> math um, material. Yeah, and through, through junior high and high school, and even later in college, I tutored my younger siblings and children and peers in the community uh-huh. uh, after school. In, in math and other subjects. And sometimes I, I do this at the high school and then other times I'd go to kids' houses to help them out with math and other subjects. And never did I know that this would prepare me for not only becoming a tutor at Upward Bound and SSS, uh, but also an instructor in statistics for graduate school and a teaching assistant for my job. Oh, yeah. uh, and I've also, I've also received tutoring of my own at Upward Bound, especially for chemistry class with Nim, who is really good at chemistry. Mm. And later SSS too. Uh, I just I've always enjoyed learning, and I realize my siblings and I are a family who loves to learn. My parents too. Um, we continue to tutor in the evenings and weekends, even though we have full time jobs. And we, um, the four of us siblings, have kind of half jokingly talked about opening a family tutoring business because <laughs> what we do now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you and certainly could. Bound, um, 
yeah, I think it would be so fun <laughs> doing it with family. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, sorry, you were going to say something about Upward Bound? Yeah, before Upward Bound and even during the time I was in Upward Bound, uh, I... Uh, um, I was also in Air Force ROTC in high school, and they did cross-country, and Upward Bound certainly helped with a lot of that, um, preparing preparing me for a lot of that, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more later. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, it's a good segue to the ne- my next question. So you were a participant of the Eastern New Mexico University TRIO Upward Bound program. Can you share with us about your experience there? Of course. Uh, Upward Bound is one of the best things that ever happened to me. And I'm so grateful for having participated during those years, TRIO in general. Uh, for Upward Bound, it wasn't until I learned that not all Upward Bound programs involve living in the dorms for part of the summer. Um, when I learned that, I realized just how lucky I was to participate in a residential style Upward Bound program for probably four summers. Living in the dorms made it better for those of us in the same classes to study together for classes like Russian, which weren't offered at Clovis High School. And in Upward Bound, I remember I have so many memories. I, I remember having Russian class with Anton Iliuk. And oh, yes, he, Anton. Like, learning, yeah, learning the alphabet and, and some phrases. That was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> I remember literature class with Joanna, too. Uh, who's now married to um, to Bob, who was also one of our RAs, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And we, in her class, I, mean, I, I haven't always been great at literature or even reading comprehension. I kind of struggled with those things. But mm. Joanna made me feel otherwise. She did a really good job at teaching uh, those, that summer class. And I remember math classes with Everetta. Mm-hmm. Our, our Upward Bound instructors were just so much fun, and they did a great job at teaching. Yeah. I also remember taking a careers classes where mm-hmm. we learned to make our resumes look nice. And thanks to that class, I still remember how to write a cover letter off the top of my head, which nice. prior to Upward Bound felt pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I remember th- an anatomy class, too. Oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was going to encourage you to keep, keep uh, recalling. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I have so many memories, Juan. <laughs> I remember... <laughs> Um, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I remember an anatomy class where the instructor of that class wanted us to, well, he wanted the class to be a hybrid between learning anatomy and learning life skills, which is pretty Interesting. cool. Yeah, I, I remember one time he briefly taught us how to take a power nap while making it seem like we were reading a textbook. No way. <laughs> and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the just, skills like, that you, you pick up in upper bound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there, it was such helpful information for that for the future sleep deprived college student. Oh yes. And I'm surprised it didn't become a thing. I'm surprised it didn't become a thing in Upward Bound. I don't remember anyone actually doing that during Upward Bound classes, but it was just oh, really? a funny thing that he taught uh, the instructor taught us among a lot of other very valuable information. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate that I could take these six-week summer courses in material that I'd be learning in high school the following academic year. And personally, I understand material much better when I've already seen it before. And mm-hmm. I'm sure most people would agree with that. Yeah. I think the, the purpose of the summer program is to really uh, give high school students an edge when they go back to their classes and understand the material a little bit deeper. Did you Do you feel that that was the case? Definitely. Oh, yeah. I... I I, I would say that's what probably one of the things that made me a better tutor too, just learning not only the, 
like similar material, the same material sometimes um, mm. over over six weeks right before learning the material the following semester in high school, but also is very valuable to get that teaching to learn all of this from different instructors because everyone has a different teaching style and there were certainly things that I remembered from the summer classes that I, I was able to apply in my high school classes even if we didn't, even if they didn't teach it the same way. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I have so many, yeah, I have so many memories with all of the summer RAs, the Upward Bound staff and our director, Susan Cramp. Juan, mm -hmm. I remember playing soccer with you as when, <laughs> when you were RA, my, probably my very first summer of Upward Bound. I, yeah, I think that that's accurate. Yeah, I was uh, I served as an RA, and I remember I do remember playing soccer. <laughs> um, I think we we try to keep just everybody busy, so it was uh, really fun and and it was awesome. Yeah, I also remember social graces, our end of the summer celebration, and I always remember being so shy to mm. I was too shy to dance, and it's crazy to think that because now I just love to move and dance, and yeah, and yeah. it's just fun. But I wasn't too shy to do the talent show for some reason. It's weird that I, I felt too shy to dance in, in a big group of people, but I was fine doing the talent show. Yeah. <laughs> Getting up in front of everyone. I think, um, uh, being the center of yeah, I think Upper Bound, that's what it really was aiming for, is to build the confidence and build uh, the, the skills to help students um, just be comfortable in their skin. Would you agree? Yes. They really broke us out of our shell. And Absolutely. I remember, you know, speaking of which, I remember our coordinator, Matthew Gordillo, was helping uh. me train to become a better runner in cross country. I, I was doing cross country during those high school years, and uh, he would give me tips and go running with me, which is another big benefit of doing that residential summer program, being able to stay in the dorms, because you get to, and we get to interact with each other, bond with each other, study together more often. And then not to mention the the college tours we took around New Mexico. I remember going to Boston on a college tour uh, and the Grand Canyon during my summer bridge program. Those were fun. Yeah, I, I remember the students talking about that and how meaningful those those experiences uh, were to them. So that that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing kind of like your origin story with TRIO. Um, it must have been just a, a wonderful experience for you, but... I, I do want to just revisit a little bit. Uh, how did you hear about the Upper Bound program? Were you chosen? Were you recommended? Were you identified? How how did that happen? I heard about the Upward Bound program uh, through one of my friends in ROTC, Eva Ontiveros, Viviana Ontiveros. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember we were volunteering for, um, so for ROTC, for Air Force ROTC in high school, we volunteered a lot. We had thousands of hours between all the cadets. Uh, of volunteer experience, and I I was volunteering with uh, Viviana at the at, at I think it was like the county fair or something like that, mm -hmm. and she told me about this awesome program she was in and told me that her older siblings uh, had had told her about it they had been through it and I guess everyone in their whole family ended up participating in the upward bound program so I figured I had to apply and yeah I heard about it through her through through Viviana from ROTC. Yeah. Wow, amazing. <laughs> it, so, it ended up being such a good, a great, I mean, Upward Bound just has so many things to offer. I mean, they hooked it up with internship experience. I mm -hmm. remember working as a student admin 
for the vice president of student affairs at Eastern New Mexico University. Oh, I do recall that, that you did that for a while. Yeah. It was really cool. And the, the real admin there in the office taught me a lot. And I remember her being an exercise freak. Uh, she used to exercise, <laughs> she used to exercise, I think she said like at five in the morning before work and during oh lunch again, again. Yeah. And I, although I don't remember her name, I still think of her when I, when I make it over to the gym during the lunch hour between work, yeah. I think of her a lot and I don't even remember her name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so now it seems like that, that, uh, habit has now been passed on to you. Yeah, in a way, yeah. I, I think that's when I first learned that that was a thing, you know, that you could, instead yeah. of instead of taking the full hour to go to lunch, take some of the time, taking some of the time to go exercise or take a walk, go move, go meditate, mm -hmm. and still have time to eat without feeling rushed. <laughs> Absolutely. So it sounds like the program has certainly shaped a lot of your experiences. What did you take away from being an Upward Bound? Upward Bound really did shape me as a student and as a person, and participating in the program was so valuable to my learning experience. Uh, one of the things, and it continues to be valuable, um, one of the things that I took away from being in Upward Bound and TRIO in general is that the staff are like family. They genuinely care about the students they serve. I should say you genu genuinely care about the students you serve. Um, I've been involved with three different Upward Bound programs. I participated in my home Upward Bound at Eastern New Mexico University. Mm -hmm. And the summer after my freshman year in college, I worked as a counselor slash tutor for a summer program at LaGuardia Community College based in New York City. Mm -hmm. And then the third one was working as an educational mentor tutor for Upward Bound at UNM. And mm -hmm. being involved with these programs, I always felt at home. Uh, yeah. Upward Bound... Upward Bound really taught me that this is the mentor that I want to be and like family, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. It, it really shaped me as a student, like I said. Uh, and, and I mentioned earlier too that Upward Bound continues to be valuable. There's so mm -hmm. much that I remember from the program. I, for example, I remember the etiquette classes we learned. We, we oh, took yeah. in Upward Bound short little etiquette classes with like if you're like – uh, eating at a banquet, having dinner at a banquet, and I still remember a lot of those skills and try to put them to good use. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, if you know, going out in public and and you're joining a bunch of other professionals, you have to know where your left and right fork are, or your salad fork from your dinner fork. You know, that's important. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's so after you graduated from high school and you completed the Upper Bound uh, Bridge program. You headed off to the University of New Mexico. What made you decide that UNM was the place for you? I decided to attend college at UNM for a couple of reasons. First, I wanted to be close to my family. Albuquerque is not right smack in the middle, but it's in between Clovis and, and Denver. Clovis being where my mom and my younger siblings live, and Denver being where my dad and older brother live. And secondly, I thought I wanted to do medical school at UNM, so that's one of the one of the things that made me decide to go to UNM. So there was a pretty, it was family in influenced, and you really were just it was just kind of gravitated toward that. So yeah. All right, right on. Was the transition fairly easy from high school to college? Yeah, I said the transition itself was fairly easy. I feel like the upward bound program prepared me well for that transition. And, and my dad had always encouraged my siblings and I to go to college. 
so it kind of felt like a next step, like going from junior high to high school. Mm -hmm. I just remember, but with less nervousness, probably. I remember kind of overthinking, you know, moving to a new school, moving across the state to go to a new school, or moving um, from a, from state to state, from Colorado to New Mexico. But yeah. yeah, I just remember packing up my belongings in the car and driving off to Albuquerque like nothing. I don't remember yeah. being nervous, uh -huh. like other milestones. And I think that's because I felt ready and supported by a lot of people in my life. Uh, I left behind an awesome job at All Pets Animal Hospital in Clovis to start a new job as a game prevention assistant with elementary schools my freshman year of college. And mm -hmm. yeah, I'd say it was a pretty, pretty easy transition. All right. And were there any challenges that you faced while you were navigating the entire UNM system? Yes. Uh, one of the first challenges I encountered early on was realizing that I wasn't that smart. <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone, everyone in college is so smart. And when I got there, I learned that I wasn't as special as I thought I was because my dad and my educators made me feel like a genius all the time. <laughs> Just because I, I got mean, you're, good grades. You're extraordinary. You're very brilliant. Uh, but do you, do you, are you saying that uh, UNM kind of humbled you in a way? Oh, yeah. It definitely humbled me. I remember getting a 65 on on an organic chemistry exam and feeling pretty humbled. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was going to make an audible gasp right there, Yudi. I was about to go like, <gasps> a 65? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I feel like some of my math and science classes just got really difficult. 65 wasn't the lowest grade I, I got on some of those quizzes and exams and homeworks. And and then eventually math became something that I never knew it was. Uh, toward the end of my undergrad career, I remember in some of my math textbooks, the only numbers in the textbook were the page numbers. And I think when we think of math, it's all numbers and numbers. But there was a lot of theory in there that just got really difficult. But thankfully, Upward Bound prepared me well because when I got to UNM, by the time I got to UNM, I knew how to seek out all the resources I needed, such as mm -hmm. tutoring, advisement, and trio programs, and more tutoring. I yeah. still remember the tutors who were the true geniuses. They saved my butt in some of those math and science classes, and I'm yeah. so thankful to them. So for you, adjusting to UNM and then you know having to have uh, to realize, right, that you may not be the smartest person in the room, but still, you being a very brilliant student, how how did you adapt? How did you finally adjust to the environment? I think um, I think just t talking to other peers and kind of being in the same boat sometimes, just because we uh, didn't get a very good grade on a particular quiz or exam or homework, didn't mean that we should stop or we should give up. Um, we just, we just kind of kept going, talked through it, you know, vented about about th these humbling experiences, and then moved forward. Yeah. So, which is this is a great segue to the next question: is uh, after you were done with a uh, tree upward bound, you went up to UNM. You've ha had your first semester there at UNM. How did you connect with the with the trio programs, uh, with student support services, and the trio Ronald D. McNair programs at UNM? How did you discover those programs? Well, Upward Bound had already told us about student support services, and I remember Susan, our director, saying um, that she really encouraged us to seek out SSS programs, and if they were at our, available at our university, uh, university, to definitely apply. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember picking up an application for student support services at the UNM orientation. 
And uh, for I was also in the Toronto E. McNair program, which was on the same floor in the same building as the TRIO SSS program. I feel like all of those college enrichment and outreach programs, uh, were, since they were on the, on the same floor and some in the same building, not necessarily on the same floor, I feel like it was re really easy for us to work with each other and, um, mm -hmm. and know about each other's programs just because of the location. Yeah, and you said you also committed some time working with the TRIO Student Support Services Program. Um, what did you do there? Yes, I was an educational mentor slash tutor, and um, and so I we would meet with students. I think it was uh, once a week for mentoring. It could have been once a month. I can't remember exactly, but I mm -hmm. um, we would meet with our each each EMT would be assigned to a few uh, mentees. Uh -huh. And then, but 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 uh, on the tutoring side of our job, um, we would split our time between mentoring and tutoring, and it was mo it mostly involved tutoring. And even when our mentees would come see us, sometimes they would come in, you know, to to go over their class schedule or just mentoring type of encounters. Uh -huh. And then and then sometimes we did a little bit of tutoring as well. That's but, amazing. Yeah, so I did I did some mentoring. I tutored math, especially in chemistry. Once I once I started taking more of those classes, and sometimes in Spanish and and reading people's essays, but mostly it was math and science. Right on. That's uh, that's amazing that you were still able to give back to the true uh, community in that in that way. So, um, that yeah, that's 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 awesome. Um, when you went to UNM, did you already have a degree program in mind, or did you already know what you wanted to study? I didn't know at first because once I got to UNM, I learned that if you want to uh, go to medical school, you don't just kind of jump in or anything. Uh, you need to decide on a program first. And most of the students who were pursuing medical school would do some kind of program in the health sciences. Uh, so I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do at first, uh, but my SSS advisors, Susan Kessner and Natalia Torres, they helped me navigate uh, what I wanted to study. Natalia created at least a couple of different, she mapped out at least a couple of different degree plans for me to compare and weigh my options. And eventually, eventually that's, that helped me decide on my mathematics and chemistry pursuits. And so you already, it sounds like you were being mentored to go in that direction and it sounded like you, you had an idea and then it's, it was really kind of shaped uh, with your with your input as well. Yes, for sure. I did a lot of uh, volunteering and shadowing when I when I was really interested in pursuing medical school. Like I, I worked at a program called Child Life where volunteers would go and just hang out with the kids. They had a ton of toys up there. We would just go play with the kids uh, who were in the intensive care unit who would sometimes be there for months. I mean, it could be uh -huh. it could be days, weeks, or months. And one of the really cool things about shadowing there was that uh, we were one of the few volunteers who, or th that was one of the few programs who let their volunteers uh, hold babies. So if there happened to be a newborn uh, in, in that ICU, we were allowed to go spend time with them because even though they can't talk yet or anything, they still needed that human interaction. Mm -hmm. And and but through all of that, through all of that shadowing and volunteering, I realized uh, 
I felt like I had to choose between math and medicine, but thankfully I learned with time that there's a lot of overlap between a lot of careers and most most I feel like a lot of academic careers especially are very interdisciplinary. So I didn't really have to choose between one or the other. I did end up not pursuing medical school and instead pursuing the field of biostatistics and mm-hmm. I love it because I still get to to do a lot of research in medicine. Absolutely. So following this degree slash career path, what experiences did it open for you? Uh, one of the experiences that it opened up for me was uh, the, the Ronald E. McNair program. Uh, mm-hmm. because, because I had shifted sort of from uh, medicine into research in medicine, uh, mm-hmm. the Ronald E. McNair program was very appropriate because they uh, helped us it, we did, it was a two-year program where they helped us uh, look for a faculty mentor. And with that faculty mentor, we do research, kind of graduate graduate level research with, uh, with a mentor, uh, mm-hmm. but even before going to graduate school. And that was very useful. That, that was very useful later on for my master's and, and for my job where I am currently. It yeah, also, that's amazing. Yeah. Yes, it was, it was such a cool experience and, and I learned so much from that as skills that I still put to use today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the degree path also opened up a really cool experience for me. Um, it was the Summer Institute for Biostatistics training. Mm-hmm. It was Summer Institute for training in biostatistics, and this was at North Carolina State University. Uh, after I after graduated from undergrad and was on my way to my master's, I I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent percent sure what I wanted to study for my master's, but I knew that it would involve some kind of math. And so this was the this summer program was perfect because it was it was a summer training in biostatistics and it, and it exposed me to the field of statistics in medicine, in health, in the health mm-hmm. sciences. And this was perfect because like I said earlier, I wanted to do both math and medicine somehow. Yeah. So we were, you were able to combine your love for math and your love for just continuing and extended learning to continue pushing yourself to learn a lot more about your field. How did it feel to graduate with your degree in hand? Oh, it felt so good. (laughs) Um, For my master's, I think it certainly meant a little more than undergrad too. I I don't know why, but I felt like when I finished my master's, it felt like I had to run this really, really long race, even though my master's was two years and undergrad was longer. It was mm-hmm. double that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I literally felt out of breath the day of my master's, which probably was a combination of just finishing up all these assignments and, uh, and finishing up research because I did, I chose a thesis option for my master's program. So mm-hmm. I was finishing up research, finishing up classes, even the day of graduation, you still had homework due, you know? And also, uh, I was pretty nervous because I was graduation speaker the day of my of my graduation at the mathematics and statistics departmental graduation. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah, it's, it just felt it felt really good. It felt really good, and and yeah. having my family there meant a lot too. Uh, my trio family definitely showed up. Don um, Don Blue Sky Hill, who is a director of Trio SSS. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently and during the time that I was in SSS, she's always been so supportive and she would not miss our graduations for anything. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Really Speaking great of, support. 
Yeah, speaking of Dawn, she'll actually be on the podcast uh, in, the, in the coming weeks. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, I will listen to that one for sure. Fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, can you t talk to us a little bit about your work and what you do for the UNM Health Sciences Center? Yes. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I work for the CHECD, the Center for Healthcare Equity in Kidney mm -hmm. Disease. CHECD as a biostatistician. I've been with this team for two and a half years now, but it feels like I've known them forever. We've become really close and I've accomplished a lot with this team. I've learned so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I often tell my colleagues that working with them reminds me of when I worked for Upward Bound and SSS because it feels like family. And I didn't think this was possible for uh, post-graduation because I feel like student jobs are very fun and you get to bond with a lot of people. Uh, but my my first job after graduating with my master's uh, kind of proved a little differently. It just felt a lot different than being a student and that family feel. But um, but with this Check D program, it, it feels really nice to know that it is possible. We can you can still keep that personality and that that feel of family, regardless of of your career path and regardless of whether you're still in school or not. Yeah. And and in this, so in our center, just like TRIO programs bridge the gap between first-generation students, low-income students, students with disabilities, bridging the gap between them and higher education, at the CHECD, we conduct research to help bridge the gap between underserved patients with end-stage kidney disease mm -hmm. and the process of kidney transplantation. Our, our research focuses quite a bit on healthcare equity, and it's important for us to distinguish between equality and equity. At work, we talk a lot about how equality is when everyone is treated the same, mm -hmm. and equity is giving everyone what they need to be successful. And for different people, that'll mean different things. Some people yeah. need less help than others. Other people need more help than others. And it's about not about not so much about equality, but more about equity. Mm -hmm. uh, my my supervisor um, in presentations, she usually shows a graphic showing, uh, illustrating the difference between equity and equality. Mm -hmm. And it shows a, a father with his two children, one who's taller and one who's probably two years old, a toddler, and they're all at a at a baseball game. Mm -hmm. And the dad, he can so they're all standing by the fence. The father, he can see the game just fine because he's tall enough to see over the fence. The middle child can see barely. He has to kind of step on, st uh, stand on his tippy toes to be able mm -hmm. to see the game. And the toddler is just staring at the fence, can't see anything. And so equality would be the three of them being given a stool that's around the same size or like a box, some kind of box to stand on that's mm -hmm. about the same size. It'll, it'll, the dad can already see, so he doesn't really need that box. But but equality would mean he gets he gets to stand a little taller. The middle child can now see without having to stand on his tippy toes, but the smallest child still can't see the game. Mm -hmm. And so equity would be maybe not giving the father such a high box to stand on top of, maybe not even any box at all because he's tall enough. He has the tools to need, he needs to successfully see the game. Uh, and then the middle child could be given one box and the, the toddler can be given two boxes so that everyone can see the game at the same level. 
Yeah, that's such a fantastic imagery that you just set up for our audience is even I, it sounds like in the medical field and in your field particularly that that's what you're striving for is equity and funny enough in education that's kind of where we want to be at too is is equi- uh, equitable and not 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 just equality right exactly yes yeah yeah so our, our research focuses a lot on this healthcare equity and so we we do a lot we run a lot of analysis well the the my part is doing the statistics behind the, our research Mm-hmm. And we run analyses on trying to see what uh, what is inhibiting this equity uh, or what what equity is needed in order for patients who are underserved and mm-hmm. they have kidney disease and stage kidney disease, what will it take to help them get a kidney transplant? Wow. So it sounds like, again, another great segue into another question is your field sounds particularly challenging. What do you enjoy most about it, Judy? I, I really love the team I work with and our mission for a good cause uh, and just trying to help people who are underserved um, get the best access to their health care as possible. Uh, my uncle actually has end-stage kidney disease and so it makes this even more meaningful to me because I, I see how our research impacts people like my uncle who struggle, who struggle, are struggling with health issues mm-hmm. and amidst this whole coronavirus thing, these are the people who are compromised, whose immune systems are compromised and you have to be extra careful with. Uh, I I would say um, another thing that I love about it is the interdisciplinary nature of the team I work with. Uh, It's kind of a dream. Um, It's it's really cool because when we get together for meetings or to do research projects, to write a, a scientific paper, we get together and it's a team it, and these are weekly meetings where we get together with a team of medical doctors, biostatisticians, prof- mm-hmm. professors from who I learn constantly, uh, peers, uh, master's level biostatisticians like myself and lots of principal investigators. Mm-hmm. And I just really love that about it, um, how we get to do research together. Uh, one, of the, one of the projects that we're working on is trying to understand um, why why some people can't make it to a lot of their appointments. So for African-American, so there are way more African-Americans than whites who have kidney disease, and yet uh, lots of African-Americans are not getting kidney transplants. So hmm. we try to understand, we try to understand why they're not getting as many kidney transplants because we would think that if more of them are struggling with kidney issues, more of them would have transplants but it turns out it's not proportional that way mm. so so we do research to try to understand these things what what factors influence someone not getting a transplant is it is it something about the system is it something about them and mm-hmm. a lot of the time it kind of consists of a lot of different factors like it could be their demographics for sure it but it could also be be medical factors like their like their um their their health like the current state of health they're in or their their weight and things like that, but mm-hmm. then there's also all these other factors, uh, like their like cultural factors. Some some folks feel discriminated uh, when it comes to the healthcare system in general, or mm-hmm. other people have these prior beliefs, um, sometimes based on history about mm-hmm. about 
that that breed mistrust when it comes to doctors. They just don't trust doctors or they feel like they've been discriminated by a doctor. So a lot of these things can influence uh, their their ability to get a transplant. And then there's also other factors like how much they even know about a transplant, uh, how much how many how much time they've spent learning about about transplant and and everything that goes into that. Um, and one, so one of the one of the things that I didn't know about people with kidney disease is that it's not that easy to, for them to get a transplant. And mm. so when you have these health inequities that make it much harder for some folks to get a transplant, it's like wow, well it's already hard hard enough for some people, and they have to attend tons of appointments and uh, and get a lot of testing done before mm. even being li- listed on the waiting list. For a tra- for a kidney transplant, and so one of the things my my supervisor and people she's worked with at the University of Pittsburgh, one of the things they're known for is for uh, coming up with this fast track is sort of it's it, they came up with this fast track uh, process uh-huh. for. Right, trying to help people get a kidney transplant. So basically, instead of uh, the patients having appointments to go see the eye doctor to make sure everything's good, they're prepared for a transplant when it comes to their vision, when it comes to their uh, uh, when it comes to their needs, such as gy- their gynecological needs or or their dental uh, dental needs. Mm-hmm. They, they, there's all this blood testing, there's this heart testing, there are just so many tests to do. And yeah. as you can imagine, they take a long time uh, to complete because it involves going to appointments on different days, sometimes finding someone who can take the patient there. So going back, um, there these, these investigators are very well known for coming up with this fast-track study where all of the appointments are in the same day. And so mm-hmm. then helping, helping patients get listed on the wait list a little faster because they show up to that appointment one day and they get everything they need, even if it takes the full day. Sometimes it, it's like, even if I, I believe they see one or two patients per day because they get all of that testing done for them in one day instead wow. of it being spread out over a bunch of months, over yeah. over a lot of time. You've really helped us understand the not only the waiting list of a kidney transplant, but there are some seem it seems like uh, inequity and uh, in 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 that type of field. So wow, you've kind of enlightened us on things that we're not aware of. Oh, well, I'm glad. I I also want to say about the Czech D that I'm I'm really I'm really happy with how supportive they are of of me doing statistics outreach because. I'm also a member of the American Statistical Association. There's an Albuquerque chapter that I'm a member of. And uh, part of my job is to do statistics outreach. So I visit high schools to get statistics career information to classrooms and research too because I haven't, I mean, I've learned a lot about statistics, but I've also learned a lot about research in general and a lot of other careers because I work with people who have other careers. And so I try to get this career information out to classrooms and I'm really happy with how supportive my job is of that. Actually, part of their mission is to do exactly this, is mentoring of uh, underserved students and faculty and staff. And so so I, I, I love that I get to, to go visit high schools as part of my job. 
And my goal is to extend this outreach, not just to high school, but also just all K through 12. Teach them about statistics early on because I didn't learn about it till I was almost done with undergrad. Mm, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I should say I knew about stats because I took a statistics class in high school, but I didn't know about the field of biostatistics. I mm. feel like there's so many there's so many more jobs that as kids we don't know about because it's sort of like police officer, doctor, lawyer, like these um, broad these broad categories. But there's there's so yeah. much interdisciplinary, uh, so many interdisciplinary careers now. Uh, that it's fun to get this information out to students so they can learn about it early on. Yeah, that's amazing. So I want to take a step back and, and I want you, I wanted to ask if we can reflect on your time with not only Upward Bound and Student Support Services, but also your time with Ronald Dean McNair. Are you still connected with that TRIO community? Yes, I keep in touch with lots of the TRIO com community, especially through social media. And I still see a lot of my TRIO friends, especially SSF. Uh, I mentioned Dawn earlier, Dawn Blue Sky Hill. Uh, I've worked out with her during undergrad um, because we, as SSS students, we sometimes take similar classes either by choice or sometimes without even knowing. We'd realize, oh, you're in this class, you know? Yeah. And so I've, I've worked out with Dawn um, during part of undergrad and recently in, in circuit class during lunchtime. Uh, and that we've been doing circuit. I mean, Dawn's probably been doing it longer than I have. Uh, because I remember her always being really into fitness and everything when we were in SSS. Uh, but ever since I became a staff uh, at UNM, after graduating with my master's, we've worked out together at, in this in this circuit class and kept it, just kept in touch. And one of my best friends is my former SSS mentor, Nancy Flores. Uh, I forget that sometimes because we've grown so close and, and I, I, I know that we met in SSS and everything, but... Um, I, I, I met some of my best friends from college in the SSS program, and it's really cool to keep in touch with them and be friends. Recently, we celebrated Nancy's 30th birthday in Las Vegas with two more friends from SSS, Kateri and Vanessa. And during oh, wow. COVID, we've had these weekly FaceTime calls. We have one today after work. <laughs> and uh, and I... I I really love keeping in touch with them. It's really amazing to see how how we've grown through all this. I mean, I feel like when we met, we were kind of just so young. And, and now Vanessa is an occupational therapist. Kateri is a high school counselor. And Nancy's a psychologist. And it's just really cool. We've all, we've all done our masters and just bond, have so much to bond about. Yeah. Uh, toward, toward the end of 2019, we also had a gigantic gathering of SSS alumni. And mm -hmm. I'm so impressed how many people showed up because it was kind of a last-minute thing. Uh, it got me thinking, too, how cool it would be to have an Upward Bound reunion. Wouldn't that be oh, awesome? That would be that would be amazing, yes. And I know a lot of people would be really excited to hear from former students and to get together and kind of catch up with everybody and how, how their lives have played out, you know? Yes, that's yeah, there are a lot of people we keep in touch with, and then, then there are some. I mean, I feel like it's uh, there are some that we don't keep in touch with, but we still think about all the time, and we care about them, and it's really fun to see just how much we've grown over the years. Absolutely, absolutely. So kind of wrapping up a little bit, um, what information would you share with a TRIO participant who is aspiring to be either in the medical field or in the mathematics field? 
what is some general advice that you would give to a college student? I would say be yourself for sure, uh, regardless of what field you want to go into. And, uh, and whether or not you're completely sure about what you want to do uh, in the future, I would say shadow volunteer, whether it's the medical field or, or math and statistics or any field, there are so many ways to shadow, especially at a university where you have all sorts of people working sometimes on the same team, working with each other. You have a lot of universities with a medical school, a law school, uh, and a business school, just a college of education, so many different people on the campus so that it's really easy to get volunteering experience or shadowing experience, research experience early on. Uh, and so many places would love to mentor these students and mm -hmm. because it, it not only benefits you, but it benefits them because you're helping them out. So that's what I would yeah. say is if, if there are any students out there aspiring to be in the medical field, definitely shadow, 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 volunteer at a clinic, at a hospital. You can mm -hmm. just go up and ask. Uh, I don't think there's a big need to be super formal about it or anything. Uh, and like I said, be yourself because if, if you're being yourself, then you're likely to pursue an interest that goes with you, goes with what you want to do in the future, goes with your uh, personality, with your goals. And mm -hmm. so being yourself and just expressing that, um, being really open about what you want to do in the future. Uh, and that goes, like I said, for any any field. Yeah, that's a, that's great advice. And uh, Yudi, thank you for sharing that. I think, I, I think students need to hear that encouragement because I, you're right. There's there's this always thought about uh, it has to be a formal process. Uh, what if they don't take me in because I didn't ask a certain way? Yeah. And I'm glad that you're encouraging. Yeah, that, that's really good. Good good advice. Thank you. I'm going to ask you now the heaviest question of all the questions I've asked you. <laughs> what does trio mean to you? To me, trio means family. I have made some of the greatest friends and family by participating in TRIO programs and working for TRIO programs, and I'm so grateful for that. I mentioned earlier a lot of the experiences that I lived with TRIO programs, and not in Upward Bound, TRIO SSS, and TRIO Ronald E. McNair have really shaped me as a person, and as a student, as an educator, as a person, as an early career professional. Uh, I, I really love just that family feel that I've always gotten for, and, and been able to reciprocate when it comes to TRIO. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, I participated in the summer program for biostatistics, mm -hmm. which helped me, helped me uh, not have to choose between medicine and math, where I could do both. And I remember that summer, it was also a residential program, uh, I met... I ran into some TRIO Upward Bound students and staff at the cafeteria because we were all these summer programs and we would run into each other at the cafeteria. And I feel like if they felt like family too, even though I had never met them before, but just the interactions I had with them, it was so easy to talk to them and, and share our experiences, you know, um, with, with TRIO programs. And so I'm really grateful for TRIO. Mm. TRIO works. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. 
100% on that statement. <laughs> I'll sign off on that. Um, Yuridia, it was amazing having you on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to be with us to talk about your educational journey. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? And, and again, these, this is people who are casual listeners, former staff, current students, current staff. Thank you, Juan. It was such a pleasure reliving some of my TRIO experiences through, through our conversation today. For parting words of wisdom, I would recommend washing your hands, maintaining a physical <laughs> distance from others, not touching your face, and Very staying as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> very good advice and very I'm, timely. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I no, think we I, need to do a timestamp on the on when we recorded this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say that I'm so grateful for each and every one of the current staff members and former staff members of TRIO programs. What you do really makes a difference in the lives of underserved students and the, and the served or underserved students that they interact with. And if any former current students of TRIO are out there listening, and if they're anything like me, uh, we want to let you know, uh, TRIO staff, current staff, former staff, that we're so grateful for all of you. Even if we don't remind you of it often, even if we haven't talked to you in a while, we have so many fun memories with you as our mentors, our tutors, our educators, directors, coordinators, admins, everyone, because you understand us, because we feel that you generally care about us, and you did such a great job teaching us and showing us all of those ropes. Uh, and for TRIO students, you brighten our days. You brighten the days of, of TRIO staff. And I feel like I can say that as both a TRIO student and a TRIO staff member, a former TRIO staff member. Students brighten up our days by showing up to tutoring, by participating in cultural events and group activities, uh, by achieving their goals, uh, by letting us help them achieve their goals, and just by being themselves, just by being you, students, you brighten up our days. Trio works. Yuridia, that is a great sign-off. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We are very honored to have an accomplished Trio alum. And we would love to for you to be on the podcast again in the future. So that way you can update us on your career and your own personal accomplishments. That would be awesome. I would love that. Thank you, Juan. Are you a participant, alum, or staff of a TRIO program? Do you want your program highlighted? You or your program could be featured in an upcoming episode of Let's Talk TRIO. Get a hold of us by going to our Facebook page or Instagram and send us a direct message. Search for Let's Talk TRIO. We want to get your story to the public. What a great story that we just heard from Yuridia Leva and so many more students like that who've had those success stories that we really want to hear from. So if you're interested and you want to highlight your program or highlight a student, or maybe you want to be on the podcast and talk about things, how, how TRIO has impacted you, please send us a, a Facebook message directly. We'd love to get in touch with you. I just want to take a moment to thank all the essential workers out there, whether you're a nurse, a doctor, police officer, um, 
if you're working, bagging groceries, uh, putting groceries away, helping customers find the things that they need as we uh, endure this pandemic, we really truly do appreciate you. Uh, we hope that our audience is, is practicing that social distancing and making sure that uh, we're doing our part to prevent the spread of COVID-19. I want to take a moment to thank the team for Let's Talk Trio. Amelia Castañeda, our producer and marketing manager. John Russell, our audio technician and in-house musician. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. Honorary members for Let's Talk Trio include Roderick Chambers, Scott Kendall, and Tony Ho. We thank you all so much for listening. Please support us through Patreon or Kickstarter. We so much appreciate everything our audience does for us to share, to support our podcast. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you on the next episode.